Welcome to the Dotted Line Podcast with your host, Lacey Dotson. This is the premiere episode, so I'm super excited um, about starting this podcast. I basically wanted to create this podcasting community with hopes to have and create a community that we just have that doesn't fit one size all, right? So I want to have open and honest conversations about hard topics and to learn along the way with you all, just like I'm doing. So I want to get into about me. I'm Lacey, last name Dotson. Yeah. I'm from Denton, Texas, but I currently live in Texas City. Um, I finished my undergrad at the University of Houston, Clear Lake. I have a major in business. And then I work in my day job. I work in corporate America. Also, I'm a wife um, of eight years and I have two beautiful kids and I have two dogs. So I want to really get into guest that I have today, which is one of my oldest and dearest friends, Mr. <laughs> Kyle Ramsey. Hello, 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 everyone. Uh, hey. What's up going on? What's up, Dotson? How's it going, love? Yes, it's going really good. Real good. So, Kyle, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and tell the people a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, um, Lacey, I just want to thank you for having me and allowing me to be a part of this creative journey with you um i'm yes. very very proud of you um you. extremely um because this is not easy um but about myself uh i too am from Denton, texas uh by Hello. way north dallas um it's important for all the listeners to know that dallas and north texas are two different things yes <laughs> <laughs> yes so, you can be from Dallas uh, or North Texas, but they're all categorized in their own different way. So I'm from Correct. North Dallas, but I've lived in Louisville, Plano, but I call Denton, Texas home. Yeah. Uh, I uh, grew up again in Denton and left the North Texas area to go to school, a small college called Amherst, uh, fell into education uh, and just debowed my way into <laughs> Into educational leadership. Uh, I, I literally just thought, saw myself working as a teacher, but having leadership roles. So um, just with um, like when I'm, when I say Debo, like I literally like strong armed uh, <laughs> told everyone around me, like, look, you're working me like an administrator. Why not make me one? And so when right. I was told no, I went somewhere else. And here I am. I'm now co-running a high school in Newark, New Jersey. Um, yes. I like long walks on the beach. I play football, <laughs> <and> basketball. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But yes, I am very happy to be here. Uh, I'm very happy to uh, start this journey with you and just to be a part of the ride. So keep on going, sis. Thank you so much. So I'm really passionate about today's topic, right? Um, I definitely feel like this is something that a lot of people do not talk about in the Black community, let alone really the community in general, right? Mm -hmm. But this episode is about generational curses, right? Um, it Generational curses, right? <laughs> um, so I want to kind of go into 
getting into that generational curse of kind of defining generational curse. So when I think about a generational curse, I think about baby boomers, right? That were born in between 1930, 1970. And something that I recently found out was that like that includes my mom, right? (laughs) My mom was born (laughs) in... 1960. I'm literally thinking like, this is a grandma. These are like 70, 80 year olds. Like, right. This is my mom, right? Right. Like my mom just turned 61 a few weeks ago. Right. Like she's a baby boomer. So when you think about that age group, like specifically with African-Americans, right. They lack the education to even spread any type of generational wealth, education, knowledge, anything, right. Like they didn't know. So they don't know. So they can't teach us right so obviously we're having to as far as in our generation we're having to kind of go out there to social media instagram twitter facebook right and find our own answers to the questions that we're not having because our generation is definitely pushing forward asking all the questions right like we are not taking no for an answer or anything so kyle how do you define generational curses well i think what's important uh first of all i just want to just tag on to what you said in terms of um, the term baby boomer. Baby boomers grew up in a time where the social constraints to keep African-Americans down was at an all-time high. We're talking about civil rights. We're talking about the war on drugs. We're talking about all these different policies that um, put these curses sort of in the air. So we can't really talk about generational curses without talking about where it came from. But right. um, generational curses to me is exactly what you said. And I think the irony in this actually, um, and the reason why I don't need to recap what generational curses is to me, is the irony of you and me is you and I actually met um, on the sandbox at Mary Humphrey, <laughs> yes, which was an apartment yes. for our parents, single mothers who were in college, who had families. So right. um, I know we talk about this all the time, but it's just really important that you that we understand that in order to really talk about the nuances of generational curses, um, that we also go back to where it is, where they were when we were born and where they are now. And so we're not really uh, here to sort of mold on the past. We're here to talk about how these uh, constraints or these curses, so to say, that were in in effect or in place, how we have to get past them. So Right, right. So that brings a good point, Kyle. So like, kind of let's go back to like our upbringing. So when I think of um, me, like I was raised by a single mother, right? Mm -hmm. Um, My mom and my dad were never married. Um, They were in a very volatile and destructive and toxic relationship Mm -hmm. um, and domestic abuse occurred. So my mom was definitely blessed to be able to walk away with her life and- myself right and when she did that like she jumped right into school right she's in her you know mid-20s you know late 20s or whatever and she jumps right into school and when soon as we came into Denton because we were in Fort Worth like it was just me and her right and so that's where we met right at that's like like you said the same apartment complex Mary Hufford right the sandbox (laughs) yes but it's also important to point out like we were, it was just me and my mother for those nine years, like from right. birth to nine years. And then my mother got married. Right. And then um, my stepdad had a few kids. He had three kids or whatever like that. So we merged families and, you know, became a blended family. So Kyle did kind of expand upon your actual point. How did you grow up? Like, what's your upbringing? What's your background? 
Yeah, so uh, great point. I also, too, uh, grew up with a single mom. At that point uh, in, in our lives when we met, uh, when she, they were enrolled uh, at, in college and didn't, she had just divorced from my father. So mm-hmm. I had a huge mixed family. So both my mom and dad had children before they got married and had me. And when they got married, uh, it was a really rocky relationship from choices on my mother and my father. Uh, But when Mm -hmm. they split, my mom moved back to Denton, Texas, which is where she's from. And Mm -hmm. she started her educational journey. So she went to the college that you and my mom went to. We we Mm -hmm. were neighbors next door. You were the first hallway. I was the second. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. But uh, different from you, you were, you know, by yourself. You were an only child. Mm -hmm. I had two other brothers. And so right. um, I was actually looking at a picture the other day of us on that long, remember that long sidewalk up the hill towards yes. the pool? Right. <laughs> um, Mary Hufford Lane. Uh, I was looking at a picture of me and my brothers standing outside the car in the cold. So it's just, it's really crazy to think like uh, 20, because that was like almost 30, almost 30 years ago. I mean, that was when I was Man, like four, four years Man, don't be telling my age, old. bro. I know, right? <laughs> don't be telling my age, bro. <laughs> but it, it's a... <laughs> But it's a really cool um, picture to reflect on because um, since that moment, um, I just saw my mom make choices in the way that she liked, way, the way that she lived um, and the way that she chose to raise us. Although it was different from the way that she was raised, I could still see those um, choices that her mother made. I could see the impact it had on her in my upbringing. Right. right. So good point. So I kind of want to dive into getting into generational curses and how that impacts things. So mm. um, obviously generational curses impact a lot, right? Mo- more specifically relationships, finances, right? They cause triggers, obviously. Mm-hmm. So how has generational curses impacted your relationships with your family, friends, and even like romantically? Like how has that been impactful? So before we get into this uh, and I talk about before I put my parents' business out there. (laughs) Um, I just want to be very clear uh, that um, I love my parents. Uh, They did their absolute Mm -hmm. best to raise me. Um, And we are not here to bash our mothers. Um, I think there was a lot of good from our childhood that we grew up with comfortably. We grew up in very Mm -hmm. comfortable lifestyles. We didn't grow up in Mm -hmm. No, we grew up in houses and nice apartment homes. But with that said, uh, they made choices that had an effect on our lives. And I know we're about to talk about how those affects, how those affected us uh, romantically. Um, But we have to work on those things in order to change. We have to acknowledge that those things took place. We have to acknowledge how those things had an effect on us in order to get past that. Yes. Tabernacle. (laughs) (laughs) With that said, with that said, um, it is very hard for me to trust. Like it is extremely hard for me to trust. Um, My mother and father were married uh, and it's important to note that I was the only child uh, that they had during a marriage. So Mm -hmm. my older brother and my older sister, my parents had them uh, when they were not married. So they had them with girlfriends or people that they were interested in. They got Mm -hmm. married, had me or got me, had me and got married either which way it came. I don't remember which way it came, but (laughs) after that in this marriage, uh, my mom, my little brother, who I actually grew up thinking was my own brother, actually was a product of an affair that my mom had on my dad. So mm. the fact that that was like not discussed until I was almost a teenager. I mean, I didn't really find, I didn't find that out until I was like literally in high school. So it's wow. like kind of mind blowing yeah. you know, to get that information. 
Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's why I acted the way that I acted and I moved mm-hmm. the way that I moved because it's like, you know, there's, you have a responsibility to like be right. move forward. And how can I go my whole life thinking I know this one thing and I, and like, you don't tell me that. It, if, it, it fucks with you. It messes, right. up, it messes with your head. Yeah. And it causes you, it makes you not easy to trust. Cause if I can't trust my own mom, yeah who can you trust who can you trust trust? right that's true yeah so i just um i mean beyond that you know i'm a black gay male from the south and although i'm an anomaly in the south uh, i grew up very comfortably i didn't have to deal with all that you know queer hate and stuff but when you are a black gay male it's already hard to like form relationships and have all these different things occur so you mm-hmm. add like mommy, daddy, or, you know, in this case, my mom, trust issues. It it messes everything up. You you think you, you know, Joe Cole smooth, you got everything together. I had my little three point, whatever GPA in high school. Oh, you was had a high And generational curses. <laughs> well, Anyway, but yeah, that that's my point is, you know, it it really I'm I'm so nuanced and there's so many nuances when you talk about relationships and how they affect you, but I can definitely say romantically, specifically with trust, it's hard for me to trust. Can I? Yeah. What about that, you? That's So when I think about um romantically, like um and even taking it back to family and friends first, um you know, my parents, they were never married, like I said, and my mom was a single mom and doing her thing. And I respect her so much because she never had me around a lot of men. Like she wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't her. Like really, I only really remember my stepdad. So kudos to her. But I think just seeing their relationship, like when I was younger, um, and it wasn't bad. They didn't argue um, in front of me. If they had issues, I never knew. I never knew when they got paid. Um, all I knew was like, hey, like, you know, if, if I need something, like, y'all got the money, y'all giving me the money, right? Like, <laughs> I drove a Lexus as my first car, right? So that should say, What was her know, name again? What was her, her name? name was Betsy. Come on, I had, Betsy. <laughs> I had a 91 Lexus ES250, right? Like, I, leather seats, oh you God. know what I'm saying? That Sun white roof. car. Yes. I missed that car. That car. Even that though was, she was a bucket, like we was riding, you know? We were riding. We were riding. So, I mean, I never saw any issues in my parents' relationship as far as arguing or anything like that. But I think what really started taking an impact is when I got married. I got married in 2012 to my husband. Um, and, you know, you grow up thinking that your parents' relationship, like that's normal, like that's your norm, right? Mm. Whatever that may be, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm. So when I got married, I'm like, we're supposed to do this like my mom and dad, right? right. Like my 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 dad, he's up here opening up the doors to everything. Like he's the one paying for everything. So I'm right. seeing, right? Because that's, I, I have my own perception. So when I got married, I'm like, Dietrich, you're supposed to be opening doors. Like, hello? <laughs> Open these doors, right? right? I will say, I, I will say, not to cut you off, but there's some gentlemanly that needs to happen. I, I know he- It does. Yeah. But- it does. It, and But the thing of it is, is that that's my point. Just because I see my dad opening the door for my mom doesn't mean that if Dietrich does not do that, then he's not being chivalrous. Right. right? right because right, right, right. you see what I'm saying? And yeah. that goes back to, you know, understanding, you know, the actual relationship, right? Your relationship yep. doesn't have to be like your parents. What does works not. for me and my husband doesn't work for my mom and my dad. Hello. Right. Say it again. Say it so, again. 
I like I don't cook. Prime example, right? Oh. I don't. I will wash the I dishes. I don't cook. I don't clean. But hey, me, I got this free yes. and housekeeper. Okay, <laughs> I will. I will wash the dishes. I will clean the clothes. I will fold the clothes. I will put them up. I will. You know, I'll do all of that. But cleaning is not my ministry, and that's where you have to know what your gift is. You see I what I'm cannot. saying? Absolutely. That's not my gift. My husband can cook. His whole family can cook. Period. You hear me? Come on. I'm the taste tester. <laughs> so that's what it is, right? But things like that, like coming from, you know, the family that I came from or whatever, I'm thinking that, you know, the head of household, right, per se, um, you know, he's supposed to, Dietrich is supposed to open up the doors, right? Dietrich is supposed to, you know, um, change my tires and things like that. That's not his ministry. Now, what Dietrich will do is he will go ahead and take that <laughs> take that SUV up there to a discount tire, right? Period. We're going to get make sure that this is getting um, rotated, right? He Period. knows how to change oil, but I'm very particular. I'm like, hey, go take my car over here to get that oil change. So, because what you're not going to do is have my wife on the side of the road. Period. Hello, hello, somebody. <laughs> so. I think that really how that's impacted me as far as seeing my parents' relationship, I thought that's how I had to operate my marriage, right? And we are two different people. Like I said, my mom just turned 61. I'm 33 years old. There's so many different things that have changed since she got married versus when I got married. So just realizing that your relationship doesn't have to be your parents or anything. And I, I think that's really how it's impacted me and something that I learned within the first few, you know, years of being married is- you can't do the same thing that your mom, your mom and dad do. And that's okay. It's not to say that they're wrong or you're wrong, but you got to do what's best for you. And I think, honestly, I'm so glad you said that, that your parents' relationship is not to be yours. Because I believe we as a community can eliminate the, the stigmas and the stereotypes of yes. all this stuff if people just talk to each other. Like, yes. here's the thing. And if my, hopefully, you know, my mom... I, you know, she's going to hear this. She's going to be upset because I put her business out there. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. Everybody know. But the point is, if she would have just talked to me, I think so much of this is that there would have been an honesty and a vulnerability and just an ownership. Like, listen, yes. I'm, I hold myself accountable for what I did. Yes. And I think that's the difference, right? Is that when I talk mm-hmm. to my father's mother and when I talk to my father, they have told me all the jacked up things they do because right. I'm an adult. And like right. Right now, like they see that I'm an adult. And since honestly, since I feel like I've been 18 and I've lived on my own and went to school on my own, didn't have to ask my parents for not a dime for college because I got a yes. full time. I literally, I think they begin to see me as an adult. And that's, right. I think that's the difference as I think, you know, you can eliminate all of this, conf- all this, this tension and all this confusion. Right. And you can begin to eliminate and erase the curse if the parents just talk to you. If they right. tell you, this is what I did. This is wrong. I've learned from my mistakes. This is what you should do. You can take my advice or leave it. But that vulnerability and that honesty, honesty really, like that, it really heals all. Right. And I think that's the missing point is. Yes. Because um, I know we're going to get to talk about other facets later. But when I talk about the, um, when we get into the financial conversation, mm-hmm. if I would have talked to my parents about mortgages and taxes or whatever. I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today. I wouldn't be, you know, thinking about saving for a home, but it all goes goes hand in hand. I think the communication aspect is what's missing. Correct. Correct. You are absolutely correct. I just, I just really, I, I don't know. I just, I really wanted to stamp that. Like, I just, I really hope one day me and 
my mother specifically can have honest conversations on, you know, how those choices of her adulthood, how they had an effect on me. And I want her to know right now on this podcast, I'm not affected, you know, Mm -hmm. you, I, I will acknowledge, I will acknowledge right here, right now that although there were a lot of missteps, she did her absolute best given what she was given. And I made lemonade out of it i went to a fantastic college i have a fantastic career and i'm not even done like i'm not even done like i i I announced to the crowd that i'm an educational leader that is like that's that's my day job like right what i do and what i take pride in is my ability to create and just uh, connect so i thank her for that but at the end of the day i ain't gonna lie you know there was some fuck shit that happened that i'm not happy about (laughs) (laughs) like that is talk. It just is what it is, you know? So, you know, that's, that's just, that's where I'm at. I, I really think once the communication aspect is anchored down, I think yeah. we as a community can really move forward and make choices to better everybody. Absolutely. That, so that's a good point that you made to kind of get into this next portion of what is your relationship with finances? Has it changed Ooh. since you became aware of the impacts of generational curses, or is it the same? Like, what's your relationship with finances? What's What about the money? I'll say this. I will say um, financially, I think I am finally in a place to be, because uh, I actually don't have a lot of debt. I mean, I used to think I had a lot of debt. I think mm-hmm. the way the society makes you operate, they make you think, especially as a Black man, right? It's yes. Like, they make you think, that if you don't got a credit card, if you don't have a mortgage, that you that, that you ain't nothing. But right. what I, but I want you, what but I can say now, right now today, is I'm finally on a path to true financial freedom yes. and true um, security. Yes. So I wanted to really I, I wanted to I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, there's a difference between living comfortably and living securely. Yes. <laughs> Word tabernacle comfort. <laughs> Somebody say it because Let the church say like comfort and security. Although they might seem the same, they're really not. Like I feel like right. living comfortably allowed the mismanagement as I was growing up. I feel like we live comfortably. Like for, for mm-hmm. example, I feel like we never lived in a Roach Motel. We never lived yes. in a janky place. We always lived in a nice apartment. When I was fifteen, my mother bought a home. It was her first yes. home purchase. I think she was like four. She was like just turning 40. So it was an amazing feat. It was an amazing accomplishment for her. In a new subdivision. You didn't point that yeah. out either. Oh, I didn't. The yeah. new subdivision, <laughs> right? The elite was gate. staying over there. It was a gate. It was a pool. Hello. Tennis, like it was dope. A was nice dope. subdivision. It was very Come on nice. Now. You got to um, point that out. Give Miss Pam her flowers. I will. And I definitely will. It was very nice. But even in that, I feel like the comfort allowed for to mat and allowed a smoke screen for the mismanagement because right. what I didn't know is one I didn't know what a mortgage was I thought a mortgage mm-hmm. was like whatever I, at that point I didn't know what a mortgage was I knew she right. was excited because it was you know below a certain number mm-hmm. but when I got to college and I saw my classmates living securely living security I mean I had friends that had stocks in their name I had mm-hmm. friends who co-owned like properties at 19, 20 because their parents uh, gave them property to inherit. It completely blew my mind. And I don't say that because I, I don't resent my mother because there are things that I had that those snobby, you know, those like goody two shoe kids 
Uh, and not all of them. I, I will say I went to a fantastic school where 80% of my classmates were humble as hell. Um, yes. Like my roommate from college, I love him. I would literally die for him. He's one of the best people I know. A shout out to Rob. Um, he, his dad was a real estate tycoon in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely did not know what wealth was until mm-hmm. I visited his house and mm-hmm. heard his parents talk or heard him talk about, because this dude never talked about money. And I was always thinking about my uh, work, work study paycheck and, you know, right. $200 to pay, pay my own phone bill. Right. You know, I was comfortable because I was in school, but this dude had security. So yeah. I don't know, man. It's crazy. I think right now um, I'm currently on a path. I have a financial planner. Yes. Um, he has made it very clear. Uh, and then a year from now, not only could I be in a place to purchase a home in a good, good, good area in the New York, New Jersey, Tri-State area, Ooh, but I'll have nice. assets. I'll have uh, business assets. So I think because of the choices that I am now, because like I am hell-bent on breaking this generational wall, um, I just wish I would have had this 10 years ago. That's all. Yeah. So when I think about my relationship with finances, like my parents, um, we grew up in a you know, in the apartments. And then when they got married, they bought a house. It was a brand new house, three bedroom, two bath in a like small part of Denton, right? And then when I was a senior in high school, they bought a really nice home, like a two-story nice home. Like, I'm like, where did these coins come from? Did we, did we win the lottery? Because this is a big step, right? <laughs> Moving on, on that. Yes. Okay. On top of I'm driving a Lexus. So I already think like we got money. We like, we got money. Like I didn't get money. Right? She got money. <laughs> but I think like my relationship with finances currently, I'm so proud to say me and my husband are a homeowner of almost mm. six years. Come on now. Uh, but when we decided to become homeowners at the time, I was still in college. I didn't get the college experience right out of high school, right? I didn't get to have a roommate. I was on mm-hmm. the, you know, moving out while I was still in high school and pay rent plan, right? And figure out that that's a bust, right? Mm-hmm. So I was finishing up my undergrad and we got our house or whatever. And um, I didn't know what a mortgage was when I was young. We didn't talk right. about bills. We didn't talk about, you know, how to stocks and bonds and 401ks and IRAs. We didn't talk about any of that. Right. So when I became a homeowner, it was kind of like, I never had that goal to be a homeowner. It was like, mm. we were staying somewhere that we didn't have space for my son. I was pregnant with my son, my second right. baby. So it was like, we need our own, our own space. And that's how we fell into, um, home ownership, right. And getting yeah. our credit together and stuff like that. So fast forward to now, like we're in the process. We're, you know, of paying off debt now. Like I'm Dave Ramsey ish. Like I'm not going to be um, <laughs> broke. Right. Dave Ramsey says you need to sit up here and sell everything, right. Sell your soul, sell everything no. and everything you have in your house and, you know, pay off your debt. That's no. not me. I like my Louis Vuitton purse. I like, you know, my, my snacks, right. I like my, my stuff. Right. Is, but is, is Dave Ramsey a Caucasian man? He is. 
Very he much is. so. Okay. Thought he so. Is. Thought so. <laughs> but the point is, is that I was like, you know what? I have debt. I have student loan debt. You know, we both have, me and me and Dietrich have car notes and stuff like that. We have our mortgage and then we have like credit card debt. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired of paying these minimums. Like this is not it. So we got on a plan where we've been, you know, paying off debt and things like that. So, you know, um, we're going to be done paying off our consumer debt this year. So I'm super excited about that. But I had to learn this on my own, Google, Instagram. Like when I talk to my mom about this kind of stuff, especially me buying my house, like she's bought two houses. And so I'm like, mom, am I supposed to be doing this on a more? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's like, it's a secret. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, you know, she means any harm, but it's like, she didn't tell me, hey, save, you know, this much money for a mortgage or get a FHA loan or don't get an FHA loan, right? Like the pros and cons of both. She didn't tell me that. So we had to stumble upon that and research and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I would say my relationship with finances, it has definitely changed since, um, you know, I've become aware of like how my parents' finances were. I still really kind of don't know what their finances are, right? That's obviously (laughs) not my business, but they stay in their home, right? They still stay in the same home that (laughs) I had when I was, that they had when I was in high school, right? Like they're still, they're still working. They're in their, you know, early sixties, but as far as being financially free, meaning debt-free, that was not a conversation that we had. And I had to really go and develop and find that for myself and say, you know what, I'm tired of paying all these bills. This is not what I went to college for to sit up here and pay all these bills and we need to get on a budget. Right. And that's just, that's what it is. Yeah. It was, it's, it's hilarious. Um, I grew up, you know, this idea of the paycheck to paycheck. And Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think another one of the things, you know, I'm just putting all my business out there. I'm a very open person, but I think another, and I think another one of the hardest things I had to realize, um, and this goes back to like the generational curses and, you know, the black stigma about child support checks. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're laughing, but you know, that was actually a really hard reality. I think another thing that's messed with my, you know, when you begin to see your parents as adults, you know, Yes, things are nuanced and you want to be understanding, but right is right and wrong is wrong. And mm-hmm. so I would, I, I, I really didn't know how money was handled, you know, growing up. And so as an adult, I have now found out from my siblings that, you know, beyond my mom's income, you know, she got a significant amount in child Ooh. support. And yeah. I don't know what, like, what, like, where did that shit go? Like, <laughs> So like, you got, wait a minute. So she had child support. You got no dividends. You got no nothing from that. No, it wasn't about me because we live comfortably, but like, right. I just remember there were being times, you know, like my brother, cause like, cause in high school, my older brother was actually working to contribute. So his, oh, wow. so okay. again, I found this out as an adult. Like I didn't, right. I didn't know, like, I used to think like, oh, my, my brother, like, you know, this, that, and the third, like, you know, he was the perfect golden child. And I was just like, yeah. you know, the bastard Michelle, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he was the Beyonce of the family, but no, real talk. And then I found out, yo, this dude was like, he was like, he was like putting down payments for his freedom. So he was literally like shoveling out like a significant amount of money to support my mom. And that's another thing that I need to just debunk. Like there's this idea, like, first of all, taking care of your parents is a form of trauma. 
You should yes. never, ever, 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 like no parent should ever feel entitled to their mm. child taking care of them. And mm. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I have friends who are psychiatrists, um, hopefully one that's going to be a guest on the show later on. But like yes. it has been debunked, like this idea that children must take care of their families mm-hmm. or they must take care of their parents and grandparents mm-hmm. before that grandparent is like physically um, unable to take care of themselves. So yeah. if you have a parent who is walking, who is breathing, who is competent, who can talk, who can pay the bills, who can drive, you should not be taking care of them. They should have their Absolutely. own self-will to take care of themselves. And I think that's one of the biggest generational curses that yes. I'm just put out there. And I think that's the biggest issue. But to hear that my brother at 16 felt a responsibility to like contribute to the house, it pisses me off because that's truly not okay. It's yeah. low-key toxic. And it's one of the biggest challenges I have uh, that's high with key my toxic. relationship. It's high-key toxic, right? And so, <laughs> you know... Listen, I don't want the viewers to think, you know, like whatever, like this is all this. I'm finding out all this stuff as a 30 something year old adult. And this other thing that we talk about in terms of like, and honestly, I think this is a Southern thing because I have friends who have relationships with their friends in the North. I have friends from all over the place now because I went to a school where everyone from all over the nation comes together. Yeah. I think in the South, this is more common. And I'm just going to say they can agree, they can disagree. But I think um some parents think or maybe it's caribbean parents too but there's a demographic of parents who think it is who think it is not okay who think it's disrespectful for their child who is an adult to disagree with them mm. that is toxic Ooh. as fuck like it's toxic tabernacle like, like, okay i'm sorry like i'm sorry that's gonna make some people mad Kyle. and that's fine they can be mad but i genuinely can say did, ne, ne, neither one of my parents have supported me since I walked out on May 29th, 2006. So Ooh. I am my own grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. I do what I can. And I, I honor and respect and love my parents. Mm-hmm. But when you, are, when you become an adult, you see them as human. And they need yeah. to embrace that vulnerability. Because that vulnerability or their inability to embrace it shows, them, shows us their flaws. Yeah. And... You know, so I know I'm giving all types of, you know, talking points today, but I think the biggest thing for me financially is experiencing what the paycheck to paycheck lifestyle was from Mm -hmm. my upbringing and Mm -hmm. actually now seeing, you know, like, for example, I have an older sister who I didn't grow up with. My dad's oldest child. She's a partner at a firm. She's an attorney. She used to be a prosecutor. She now owns her own home. She's she is single and she bought a half a million dollar home but on her own two feet yes like, come on that is the type of that's the type of grit and hard work that i'm about but make no mistake she got help from my grandmother but it wasn't the entire shebang she got a little bit of help but you know seeing all these things as an adult it's just like you learn so much by association yeah and you learn so much by just observing and taking notes and challenging things head on so absolutely you know, my grandmother so, used to say, I'm going to say this last point, but my grandmother used to say, you know, a stitch in time saves nine. Yes. And so I think if you make the small choices, if we're making the small choices now to secure that freedom, because this woman, my grandmother, my dad's mom, Jamaican immigrant, I don't know how this woman has it like she has it. She was a nurse. She like, 
didn't have an education past the eighth grade. Like, you know, and she has her own. The thing is, though, is that she has her own ways. And that's why I love her is because she is crazy. She is outspoken. (laughs) She's honest, but she embraces it. She will tell you straight up. I'm crazy. I don't care. No one pays my bills. I do it all by myself. And so I think really thinking about how we break these curses is really rooted in communication and how we're talking about finances, how we're embracing all this stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm off topic. Cause I'm just like in the, in the heat of the moment, but I don't know. G- get me back on track boss lady. Cause I'm just- so definitely when I think about like your point that you made, as far as the generational curses and parents thinking that their kids should be able to t- um, take care of them. That leads me to right. What is your perspective in relation to life insurance? Because oh, you when gotta have I, it. You gotta have yeah. It. So how has that impacted you from a generational curse perspective? Because did you grow up with hearing that, hey, we have a life insurance policy from, no. you know, whoever? Not at all. No, I didn't hear about life insurance until I was literally in my professional development at my educational leadership job, but I started as an assistant principal. Mm-hmm. And oh, like assistant life principal. Jesus. So that's yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. not even being a teacher, just like, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, you you have life insurance policies or options as a teacher, of course. Right. But when you become a leader, anytime you scale up and professionally, your options and benefits grow. Absolutely, but my yeah. network offers fantastic life insurance benefits. I think uh, I'm insured for like half a mil. Um, and mm. it's just, it's, it's, it's just crazy. Cause that was never talked about. And so I think life insurance is important. Um, yeah. I think before I was 25, I never really lost anybody. Mm-hmm. And then I lost a student, um, mm-hmm. to gun violence. I then mm-hmm. lost, uh, we, you and I both, we lost a friend, um, mm-hmm. in a car accident. And I think that car accident really woke me up to the idea of life. Yeah. Insurance. So knowing, you know, and rest in peace, Naomi, we love you. Yes. But just like real talk, it honestly opened my eyes because, I mean, I don't know if you remember where you were, but I remember exactly where I was when I got that phone call. Yeah, I was sick. In the bed, sick, um, football, but what was it? Um, It Super Bowl. Super Super Bowl Bowl Sunday. And I was sick in the bed and literally... Um, I think like Zach called me and I answered the phone and then like you called me like a few times. And at that point, just kind of how life goes, we didn't talk as often as we talk now. So I was like, what is he calling me for? Like, whatever, I don't feel good. And you're like emergency. Right. And like telling me, like, did you see this on Facebook? Right. And I'm like, this is a joke. Like I was like sick to my stomach because at that point we were like, that was like what four or five years ago so we yeah. were like, like late 20s 28 27 yeah. somewhere around there so it's like this is unbelievable and that amazing. that that's a good point because when she passed when Naomi passed and again like you said rest in peace when she passed it was like you know it was a GoFundMe right yeah. which nothing's wrong with that like I'm not nothing I'm not bashing all. anybody that has nothing a GoFundMe at, at all like I want to nope. put that out there but it go the reason GoFundMe is there and the reason why so many people sit up here and get those when people pass or you yeah. know have unfortunate circumstances is because they're not knowledgeable of the opportunity to be able to invest in life insurance, right? right? 
Life insurance is so freaking cheap. I have a life cheap. insurance policy on myself, not only through my job, but a personal one as well. And it's I like pay like $10 a month. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, right? like, it's like $20 a month. So if somebody sits up here and something happens to me, like my kids and my husband are covered. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're covered. So um, it's really important to like, have that have that knowledge and research for yourself you know life insurance term you know term life and things like that what's available and what is the best option but the funny thing is is that about all of that is I didn't grow up with that like my like I had my grandfather pass away when I was like nine and you know he passed and I guess he had some type of form of life insurance you know whatever and they worked that out Mm. he had his his funeral and everything like that but I didn't know That's nothing like I started talking about until I was probably in my late twenties, early thirties and talking to my mom. And she's like, Oh yeah, I have my situation or, and I'm thank God. Cause I'm like, look, y'all, I'm not the person to call if something happens like that. Like, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Like I have no idea what to tell you. Do not call me. Do not pass go or collect $200. Cause I'm not in (laughs) in the, I'm not fixing to be sitting up here and supporting any of that. And, and a caveat to that, I want to put this last point. I had someone that passed in my family and she didn't have her, her affairs in order. So literally everybody is like getting together, scrounging up, you know, money and things like that. And at her funeral, I kid you not at her funeral. And I didn't know this, you can rent a casket, right? So at the funeral, everybody getting happy, feeling the spirit, you know, falling over the casket and the people at the funeral home was like, let's go. Hey, it's about five minutes till this little time is up and we got to go. And as funny as that is, like, that's real talk. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff happens. So it's important that like you invest in not only research, right? What's best for you in your situation, but to also, you know, make that knowledgeable to other people as well, because if you didn't know, somebody else didn't know. So a stitch def- in time, save nine. <laughs> so I word. definitely, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for coming and being on my first Woo! podcast, right? It is. This is awesome. I'm so this proud of it. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, and, and I love you for it. Right. I love you Um, too. I love you too. So I definitely want to say, we're going to continue the conversation on the next episode with generational curses. So definitely tune in next time. 